It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. So Eric, you are a word guy. Love words. I, I Yes, you do. I, I got two good words for you. Yes. Uh, indolence, uh-huh. inert. Would you maybe flesh out the difference between those two keywords? That's important because the name of this uh, Daily Thunder episode is Inured for Manly Action. Isn't that a great name? That's a I great mean, word. And That's I a... did come up with it because I like the word inured. <laughs> uh, and I've, the word inured has come out in multiple sermons in the past weeks for me. I don't know that it came out in Sunday's sermon, so it's funny that it ends up in this week's Daily Thunder since this Daily Thunder is referring to Sunday's sermon. But indolence is a classic word to fit with Sunday's sermon because that's like the avoidance of exertion, the avoidance of work. It's like laziness at its highest degree. An indolent person is one who is seeking to avoid any sweat on their brow at all possible, uh, in all possible ways. And then inured is sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. To be inured for something means to be seasoned, to be hardened, to be toughened for a task. And so obviously the two can't go together. Someone who has calluses on their hands is very different than someone who's indolent. (laughs) Someone who's indolent refuses to have the calluses. Someone who's inured has calluses. They're built for difficulty. They're built for challenge. The reason and, and proven I mean, they've been Absolutely. proven through it. That's yeah. right. And so as a result, they don't fear the coming test because they actually recognize that they are hardy for it. So they smile at the coming test. And so inured, that's if, if we were to say, OK, where's the church at today? Are we showing indolence or have we been inured for the times in which we live? And I think in a sad way, I feel like we are on the spectrum, we're far more towards indolence than we are towards being inured. And yet at every juncture, God gives us the grace to wake up and to gain preparation. In other words, he doesn't desire us to not be prepared. He desires us to be stirred to action. I'd say for many of us on the individual level, because you know, to talk about the global church is one thing, but we're hearing this all as individual Christians. And that's our desire is to sort of just blow upon those dying embers and to see that strength once again regained within the church of Jesus Christ. Mm, that's so good, Eric. We're, we're tying this week's Daily Thunders back into last Sunday's sermon, <clears throat> which was talking about living dangerously. And of course, if someone hasn't heard that message, we would highly encourage them to go listen to the actual full-length sermon. But it's interesting, as you're walking through that message, you were talking about the practicals of life, not even just mm-hmm. the Christian life, but just life and how... A lot of times we measure or we look at the repercussions uh, of something and we go, oh, well, that needs to change. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it's stuff that's further back or it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the inner workings mm-hmm. uh, or as the illustrations you gave was like, it's, it's how I get out of bed, mm-hmm. which uh, is rather convicting uh, <laughs> for most of my mornings, you know, but it's, it's how I walk in the living room. It's how mm-hmm. I engage in conversations. Yeah. It, it's those first steps that actually determine kind of the, the alpha or the trajectory of where life is heading. And if your first steps are selfish, like they're self-motivated, they're self-desiring, where I'm, I'm wanting to think, what's the best for me in this? You're not going to live dangerously for Jesus Christ. Yep. If your first steps are for him, for his glory, it's amazing how you are willing to pick up a cross and follow. And so true Christianity, true discipleship is going to start at that very granular level of decision to say, I want Jesus 
first, above all, in this circumstance, in this situation. And that creates a trajectory impact. Uh, just to sort of warm you and I up, uh, I found a clip from the sermon uh, on Sunday that we're going to play, and then you and I can respond to it afterwards and sort of build from there. So let's watch that. Where's the temple of God? Well, it's been torn down. Remember, this is the Babylonian captivity. And so these are those from the Babylonian captivity that are returning to Jerusalem, but there's no temple there. And so these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Well, we know it's important to build the house of the Lord, but we have issues. We have personal problems that we have to tend to. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? I thought that was an interesting description of their houses, their paneled houses. While this house lies in ruins, now therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And so God is going to say this phrase multiple times to the people of Israel, consider your ways. How are you functioning in the depths of your being? What is your motivation? Why are you doing what you're doing? So you guys are living in your paneled houses. Meanwhile, the house of God is in ruins. How can you think that God can prosper your life when first things are not first things? When you're not tending to what is most important. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. So are you frustrated with how things are working? I mean, you're working all day long, you stick it in your little uh, uh, bag and there's holes in the bottom and all your coins go rolling out. That's exactly what they're feeling right now. You've sown much and you harvest little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, and you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. What a miserable existence. These are God's people. So are we. And yet there can be a frustration. We pray a lot, but are we seeing the impact? One of the things that I am moved by today is that we as the church would humble ourselves, that we would pray and seek his face, and that we would turn from our wicked ways so that he could heal our land. I'd sort of like him to start with us, and he would heal our marriages, he would heal our families, he would heal our churches, so that the land could be healed. Let's start with first things, and that's why this message is a very granular message. Because we can look out there and see a nation that has fallen to pieces. I don't think any of us are gonna argue that. Our nation is not healthy right now. Well, why? Well, the church isn't healthy. How in the world can you expect to have a healthy nation when the church is unhealthy? Well, why? Well, because the families within the churches are not healthy. Well, why? Because the marriages in those families are not healthy. Well, why? Because the individuals in those marriages are not healthy. You see, this is where it starts. It starts with each one of us at an individual level making a decision to value the smallest movements of our soul, the smallest thoughts in our mind that we begin to allow a revival to strike us, to sober us, and to bring the fear of God back to our lives where we're living in the light of God as opposed to thinking that it doesn't matter. We're focused on our paneled houses instead of focused on building his temple. And as a result, God's blessing cannot come upon our life. And so though we are working 
It is not prosperous. It is not effective. Eric, that is such a powerful clip. Uh, I mean, I, out of the whole message, that was actually one of the things that really stood out to me was just that that constant declaration that if you look at the state of the church and the world, mm-hmm. it actually, we can put our finger on it, but it really it's an individual issue. Uh, I want to go back to this passage you read. I, I love this declaration. So the, the word of the Lord comes to Haggai the prophet, and he says this in uh, chapter 1, verse 4, <clears throat> Is it time for you yourselves to live in paneled houses while this house, speaking of the temple, lies in ruins? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when you look at the just the historical movement. When Cyrus allowed the Jews to return back to, to Israel under Zerubbabel, one of the first things they began to do, they actually came with a great desire. They came and they began to rebuild the temple. But after two years of building, they kind of forsook it. And for the next 14 years, they didn't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. So here it is. It's still in shambles. They had an inkling. They, they started well. They they had this great desire, but they went back to what Haggai is saying is they went to their paneled houses, which I love mm-hmm. how you poke at that. But it's after his rebuke that they begin to rebuild the temple, but it still took them five years. It's interesting to me that when you look at these first things that we're, we're talking about, a lot of times we, we can have the zeal and we have the desire but we forget that it, it's a daily thing. We, we forget that it's, yeah, I really want it, but, ah, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe to use some language that we've been talking about, it's, we, we have the prone of the not yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we look at the fact that, okay, God's house is going to take five years, seven years to build, but I need to live somewhere. So let me turn within be self-focused mm-hmm. so that maybe I could eventually mm-hmm. do something for God. Will you even flesh that out? Yeah, or talk well, it's to a very a human thought process is that when this is finally taken care of, then I'll get serious about the God stuff. God, God understands. I need to deal with me. And yet what's funny is everything in scripture is going to contradict the human thought pattern that says God will understand that I need to deal with me. What he says is actually the way I created you was to think about me. That's what God's saying to us. And so he's going to say in the New Testament, seek first the kingdom of heaven and my righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So all these things that the rest of the heathen are considering as the children of God, you're not supposed to think like them. You're not supposed to reason like them. You make me your priority. In this case, in the book of Haggai, there's their need to focus on the temple of God instead of on their own houses. That's a tricky one for us because I can imagine, you know, if we're in that situation, it's like, well, but God, what about my house? He says, I'll deal with your house when you make my house your focus. And that's the actual message of the entire Bible. God created us to make him first. And when we make him first, he then, it like is the door that unlocks. When we make God first, it unlocks the door of fruitfulness in our life. When we make ourselves first, it closes the door. And as a result, God says, I love you. So I want you to unlock that door. I want your life to be effective. I want you to be inured or built to change the world. And yet, because of our indolence, because of our... See, I notice how I'm using these cool words. They're great words. Because of our 
fear almost, our phobia of hard work, of difficulty, of challenge, we find ourselves focused on ourselves, our paneled houses. And as a result, the blessing of God is not upon us. So, I mean, there's nothing worse than working all day and getting your wage, sticking it in a little bag and having holes in the bag. And so your coins go rolling down the street. And yet many of us, even in our Christianity, function that way. It is not fruitful labor. We got one shot at this thing called life. Let's make it count. Which I actually think is one of the reasons why Jesus reminds us that we must take up our cross daily mm. and we must die upon it. In other words, there, there has to be a death to my flesh, a death to that selfishness every single day. That's right. Because it's, it's not like, uh, yes, uh, I come to Christ and, and in one sense, my flesh is no longer living. Mm-hmm. But tomorrow, for whatever reason, it has a weird voice yeah. and, it, and it's trying to creep back in and let me or it's trying to woo me to give it position. Yeah. And the moment I, I keep that door open and I don't keep first things first, mm-hmm. uh, my flesh can overrule. Just like you even see happening with the rebuilding of the yeah. temple. They started off well, yeah. and yet there is a first things first, and I must daily find myself at the cross, yeah. daily find myself seeking the Lord, daily you know, surrendering my life afresh mm-hmm. to Jesus saying, Lord, I this cannot be about me yeah. because it, it is far too easy as our tendency is to focus on ourselves. Absolutely. There is a great work of grace that God desires to do in our lives. And just like we see in this book of Haggai, we're going to see God break through in their life. They were so frustrated. They were, their work was so futile and they were at every turn hindered. And God says, do you want me to tell you why? And some of us are like, I don't know that I want to know why. <laughs> and that's, that's a funny statement. We want to live a life that's fruitful, but we don't really want to hear the reason why, because it usually means we need to give up our life. We need to let go of things that are actually hindering our forward progression. But what my encouragement would be to everyone is let's put a higher value on God's purposes in our life than on our immediate comforts. And when we put that, that, that value in the right direction, when we put that glory where it's supposed to be, and we say, it's on you, Lord Jesus, I want to please you. I want to live for you. There was only one reason I'm here and it's for that. It's funny how that unlocks every other dimension of our life. Freedom, fruitfulness, (laughs) they, they flourish. Boy, that was a nice little alliteration. Freedoms, freedom and fruitfulness flourish. Boy, this is, I could turn into a Dr. Seuss type of, uh, (laughs) but it does. It is an amazing unlocking mechanism of saying, God, this is what it's about. So when you wake up in the morning, it's about God. When you enter that living room territory of your life and you have the cares of this world and the challenges of this world, it's about God. When you enter the kitchen zone of your life and you're choosing if your appetites are going to rule you or if being strong for the task is going to rule you, God, what do you want to feed me with? Then if you make it about God, it's amazing. Each of these zones become strength points. You enter into your marriage that way. You enter into your parenting that way. They become strength points. But when you enter in with the opposite attitude of like, hey, I want my share. I want to build my paneled house. This is about me. God, I, I, I value what you're doing out there. And I want your temple to be built. But look, God, I have needs. It's interesting how that disintegrates the quality of your life. And that is the declaration of all of scripture. Yeah. You know, from Deuteronomy, when... When Mo, uh, God is talking to Moses saying, hey, love the Lord your God with all, yeah. right, with, with everything. Yeah. And then that's repeated. And then it kind of it keeps going. David, you know, is, is like as a, I hunger and I thirst for you as someone walking in a dry and weary land. Yeah. And you get to the, even the book of Hebrews, the promise is that if you would diligently seek after God, he will reward that. 
And that, that is the only way we find the fullness, fullness of life. Amen. Well, I think you and I both know giving up everything to Jesus leads to an extremely happy life. However, from the outside looking in, you know, people feel sorry for us. You know, boy, they took take Jesus just way too seriously. No, don't feel sorry for us. Yeah. <laughs> we are the most happy men on earth because of it. Yep. And happy doesn't mean easy. That's right. Because because it, it, the, the the promise is difficulty. Yeah. But yet you find tremendous joy and delight in, in the midst, the midst of, it. of it all. Yeah. Exactly right. Oh, that's so good. Thanks for the reminder. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.